Happy Monday and welcome to Creator Talks. This is a special edition of the show. I have a bonus podcast this week. I am being joined by former guest Ron Randall. I welcome Ron back to the show. It's always great to talk to Ron. Ron is truly a gentleman and a wonderful guest to have on the show. And he's back now to talk about his Kickstarter for the next chapter of Trekker, The Adventures of Mercy St. Clair, Bounty Hunter in Chapeltown, an original graphic novel that is already complete, ready to go, and has met its funding goals so it can be published. So there's still time to jump on board and see what it's all about. Ron has been writing and drawing Mercy's adventures since the mid-1980s. And more recently, you can see some of his work for hire in the books Future Quest and also Astro City. Our discussion takes place right after Emerald City Comic Con. So Ron gives us an update on how that con went for him and how people received his new Kickstarter for Mercy St. Clair's Chapel Town and the experience of being in Seattle. You know, what is there to see if you go out to the con sometime and also see the sites as well in the area. This is Ron's first Kickstarter, so he talks about that process of setting it up, some of the concerns and anxiety that he had, but as of this recording, he hit his funding goal and he hit his first stretch goal, so he still has some time left. There's about a week left for this Kickstarter, so please check it out and see what you can do to help out. Every little bit helps. In this episode, Ron gets to answer my questions about rest and relaxation, so let's get started. My interview with Ron Randall on Chapeltown, here now on Creator Talks. from Trekker Central, Ron Randall. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's been a while. You were on episode 11. <laughs> that was like a year ago. Yeah, you know, time keeps marching on. That's the way it goes. I guess one thing I've sort of been proud about with Trekker is that since I uh, launched the webcomic, I have not missed an update every every Monday. I put up a new page. Now, you just got back from uh, Emerald City Comic Con. You're our man on the scene. How was it compared to last year? In a phrase, bigger and better. It was a very busy show. Uh, it's now a four-day show, four full days. And um, the traffic up in the artist alley where I was there was uh, pretty heavy and steady from the get-go. And uh, we all just were sort of looking at each other. <laughs> all of us in the uh, you know, uh, exhibitors that were sort of looking at each other and watching the <laughs> these big waves of people coming through. And sort of saying, this seems interesting for a Thursday was not what we were, you know, I think, I mean, we're thrilled, but it wasn't what we were exactly expected. You know, we, we thought it might have a sort of a slow ramp up, but no, it was, uh, it was great. High energy, big buzz, pretty much, you know, wall to wall. I was just curious what kind of reaction did you get from fans about your Kickstarter that we're going to talk about in more detail in a moment. Any feedback you received? Yeah, quite a bit. I was, um, you know, I've been doing shows for a long time since I brought Trekker back. I really changed the focus of my display, my, my purpose for being at a convention in general. And now, especially with being in the middle of Kickstarter, I, you know, what I would call fine-tuned the focus even further. It was um, extremely gratifying, I'll put it that way, to see the reception that Kickstarter was getting at the show. Uh, some people came up to me. They were excited because they know that the Kickstarter had launched and had got off a very strong start, and they were excited about that. Other people hadn't heard about the Kickstarter, but... Um, had heard about Trekker and were, you know, thrilled to to know I was sort of taking this route. You know, people were signing up my newsletter list, which is the one sure way that I then know I can get the word out to the people that really want to know about what's up with Trekker. And uh, to me, that was a really good gauge, a little barometer. If there's a lot of people signing up, they glance and see the display, maybe they 
chance to me a couple of sentences, maybe not. I just sign the name on the newsletter and I think, okay, they're seeing something here that's uh, that's making a connection with them. So, yeah, across the board, it was uh, just a terrific experience. Exhausting. What do you say the comic <laughs> show? <laughs> Exhausting when you're doing what I do, especially, which is um, I'm really working to engage with people coming by. I, I want to talk to them about what I'm doing. As I said, my my approach to conventions has changed quite a bit since when I first started, and I would sort of lay down some original art in front of me on the table and sort of passively kind of sit there, wait for people to come by. Now I'm much more, um, much more invested in in having those interactions, and if it's even if it's just a conversation to let somebody know what Trekker is or something like that. It's much more energizing and sort of, you know, like to say, exhausting at the same time. Well, your engagement is how we first met. And a lot of people, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say a lot, more people are starting to do that. And they really need to. They can't just sit there because there's so many people in Artist Alley. And I've had people that have engaged me on the show because they had an interesting story to tell. And I wouldn't have known it had they not opened their mouths and said something. At the con, did you see a lot of familiar faces, both fans and professionals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm from Portland, and Emerald City's just up the road in Seattle, so it's close to a, a show in my own neighborhood. So that means two things. Number one, I'm in a large studio full of artists here in Portland. It's, it's a great group of people who are some of my best friends in the world, as well as being a tremendously talented group of artists that spans everything from you know a lot of sort of mainstream uh, guys that make their bread and butter in the mainstream, and, and young men and women who maybe have never touched you know, a, a traditional publisher. Uh, at all, but have a thriving career doing their independent comics, web comics, and things like that. But anyway, and they're just a delightful group of people to hang around with, uh, as well as sort of work side by side within the studio. Most of us uh, make the trek up to Emerald City, and fortunately, the convention, we've been doing it for so many years, we sort of have uh, an understanding. We, we're all able to be seated together in one group. Then you're sort of there surrounded by your buddies, your peers, and your colleagues, that going on. And then at the same time, I've been doing shows, as I said, for, for quite a while. And so many fans that I've been interacting with for years at shows uh, make a point of coming up to say hi, to check in, see how I'm doing. You know, we get caught up on life a little bit. It's really gratifying how many people will, you know, make a point of coming up to me just, just to have a little conversation. And uh, so in a lot of ways, it's a lot of familiar faces, and that's wonderful. And, of course, it's also really thrilling to have somebody I've never seen before who hasn't heard of me or my book come by and if something about my display catches their eye and then we can just have a couple of sentences of the conversation and you can get, you know, they, they can get a sense right away if, if it's something about what I'm doing might be up their alley. And uh, it's just really great to see those interactions too. I hope to get to the con someday and not only to see the con, but also to see Seattle. I mean, me and the missus have talked about someday we have to get out there and we have a couple of wee ones. So it's a little tough right now to make that kind of trek. I may make it myself next year if I need to. What would you recommend I see outside of the con? When I go to that area, either something for families or even something for an individual like myself going solo. There's so many things. I mean, just right outside of the convention centers, that convention center is right in the heart of downtown Seattle. And that's a pretty energizing place to be for me. I, it's a fairly unique or it's a fairly unusual city as far as the topography. You know, Seattle sort of built around Puget Sound and it's not a lot of trees that sort of slopes down to go into the sound. So you have a lot of streets that are, you know, it's not like San Francisco sort of uh, hilliness, but but it has a very um, a very up and down sort of feel to it. Just walking around on the sidewalks and looking at the businesses, the buildings and stuff, it's quite a different experience than when you're in a lot of cities that are much more, you know, sort of flat. <laughs> and there's also, since it's on the sound, just the atmosphere, the air itself has that, uh, to me, sort of a crisp, fresh 
you know, sea air sort of tang to it a little bit. And uh, I always feel about 10% more awake whenever I'm at the coast, <laughs> just, the, just the freshness of the ocean air. So I'd recommend those things. And uh, as far as tourist sites or things to see, there's a, there's a place called the Pikes Market, which has a, it's like a big open air market where people sell everything from, you know, fresh fish to all sorts of arts and crafts. And that's only a few blocks from the convention center. And there's a big Ferris wheel that's right down on the shore, uh, looking out over the Puget Sound. And you can on this Ferris wheel and you can see these big ferries because there are a lot of islands, small islands, medium-sized islands that are across the sound from Seattle. And due to the geography there, it could take a very long time to drive your car from one of these islands around and get into downtown Seattle. So we have these ferries that run directly from the islands across. It's a very uniquely atmospheric city, and uh, there's all that stuff to see. And one last thing I'll mention is the Modern Pop Art Museum they have there now, which has still the music part of it, a film and science and science fiction sort of museum as well that, that's attached to it. All this is right down Seattle, not far from the Space Needle, that iconic symbol that you've got to see too. And they have, in this museum, they'll have a whole big display of all sorts of science fiction movie paraphernalia, memorabilia stuff. And uh, you get Star Trek and Star Wars and aliens and stuff like that. So for people in our business, it's a pretty great nerd experience. They just wander through there. You paint a wonderful picture. I have to get there. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. It is not an inexpensive city to spend time in, but it's a very desirable city, too. So it's something that one has to sort of plan for, budget for, and try to have some sense of <laughs> financial discipline, I think, to make it practical. But when you can play the angles right and get there, I think you'll have just a really wonderful time. Good advice. I'll keep that in mind. I'll, I'll save my pennies. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk a bit about Kickstarter and then uh, specifically about your project now on Kickstarter. As far as a platform goes for promoting a book, getting the money raised, it can be published. It might be the future of print comics due to the escalating costs and the distribution issues that crop up every once in a while. And it's especially a great platform for anyone trying to break in, but also for veteran creators, because you have fan favorite character, you have fans, you have some exposure already. Could be the way things go down the road. You were originally publishing the book through Dark Horse Comics. Rites of Passage was the last one that came out, and that was last year. I think it was February of last year. And you still have a long and great relationship with Dark Horse. That hasn't changed. And I want to make sure I make that perfectly clear. But this time, just because of the timing, you decide to go this route so fans don't have to wait too long for that next installment of Mercy St. Clair. That's right. You encapsulated it all very well. Yes, I um, have a perfectly fine relationship with Dark Horse. And uh, the reason I've moved to Kickstarter now is just that sort of some of the things that you sketched out in the conditions of the marketplace and publishing realities being what they are, publishers have to gear their output to meet what's going to work the best for them as an overall company. And sometimes they're big plans that have all these little moving parts involved in them. They're all intricately interwoven and you're timing these books that come out here and those books that come out there and balancing things out. And sometimes a book like Tracker may not fit the timing in their scheduling the way that I want my particular project to come out at. I just uh, felt uh, seeing that, it, as you were just saying, about a year had gone by since uh, The Rise of Passage had come out. The the new story, Chapel Town, is the name of the new Trekker adventure, and it's been done. It's been sitting done for a year, and it was just sort of to just drive me crazy that uh, I've got this story ready to go, and the one after that is nearing completion as well. It just felt to me like to do best for the series and for the fans and for myself, I just felt I needed to see if this Kickstarter could work so that by working directly with the readers, you know, between them and me, we can sort of determine 
the schedule that we can put this book out at. And I say we because, you know, that's what Kickstarter is. It's a collaborative medium where you're working with the readers. You're working with your supporters. The degree of support you get determines when things can come out. The great thing is, is once you get the word out that the books will be available through Kickstarter going forward, then you have that loyal following now who knows how to get the book. The odds of being successful a second and third time increase greatly once you get that first one done and you build that fan following, knowing that you're on Kickstarter now. Yeah, well, you from your lips to God's ears, that's all I got to say. <laughs> um, that's certainly the model, and that's certainly um, what I've heard happen with others. I'm a pretty trepidatious guy. I'm not a big uh, gambler or risk taker, and I was very reluctant to try the Kickstarter route because I just wasn't sure having not done it before. It's a new thing. I, I wasn't sure what level of support I would find. Honestly, I thought there was a good chance that I might launch this Kickstarter and be, you know, I guess, sweating bullets on day 30. You know, we're still, you know, X number of hundreds of thousands of dollars away from the goal. <laughs> Am I going to make it? I've heard that story from other creators. So the fact that this thing took off and got its initial funding happened so very quickly was a tremendous relief and quite a surprise to me. So knowing that, that initial level of support is there is just been it just it, it was really it's been very moving i was genuinely uh, beside myself uh, and just stunned by that as you said it sort of points to the fact that kickstarter in my situation and some others might be the way ahead for us especially with our own you know creator own projects that are a little bit more personal and maybe aren't going to fit the overall publishing profile of a lot of companies but this is a way to do something that's unique that comes from a very deep spot in myself and seems to resonate very powerfully with at least a certain section of the comic readers. And where you are now in the project, you're entering week three, I believe, and you've hit right. your first goal. Uh, so 96 pages at least, you hit the first goal, mm -hmm. that's Chapel Town, and the first stretch goal, you also reached that, and that's the Volstack payoff, I believe, is 24 pages mm -hmm. additional on top, 96? Yeah, um, so yeah, we hit that. The, the one advantage I had going in to start this Kickstarter was I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> I, I was, uh, so I was smart enough at least to reach out for advice and suggestions and guidance from people who had walked down this path before. I read about it and talked about it with some people that have a sort of a similar career profile to myself, people who've been working in comics for about the same amount of time that I have and in a similar, you know, similar area, a lot of mainstream work and so on. Um, but one thing I, I, People would say, well, you've got to make sure to have your stretch goals planned out. You've got to have different rewards built to come in at different times and levels and things like that. As I said you know, a little bit ago, I wasn't sure I'd be anywhere near my initial goal when we got to the end of this thing. So it hit that first funding goal within 36 hours. <laughs> wow. So fortunately, I had listened to them and had you know, the stretch goals and, and that, that bigger program already worked out. That's fortunate because... If all I wanted to do was fund the cost of printing this book and, you know, the, the cost involved in getting it shipped out and paying the, the Kickstarter fees and stuff, then I could have stopped right there as, a, you know, that first met the funding goal. But as you mentioned, uh, you know, Trekker, it's an ongoing series of these things. So I, I want to grow the audience beyond what we've already done and, and have the Kickstarter support base be bigger than it is now for two reasons. One is it's going to make running the next Kickstarter, you know, that much easier and the one after that, that much easier. The less time and energy I have to spend on the moment-by-moment, day-by-day crafting and running of the Kickstarter, those are hours that I get to spend writing and drawing Trekker. And I'm a very simple man. My agenda, <laughs> there's no hidden agenda here. I want to write and draw Trekker as much and as often and as well as possible. It's pretty simple. In order to make that happen, I have done things you know, like this Kickstarter, which has been 
both exhausting and thrilling, but I wouldn't do that for a project that I didn't have my heart in like I do with Trekker. And then the other reason I want the Kickstarter to continue to, you know, to, to grow and build its numbers up over the, the course of the rest of this campaign is like anything else, you know, comics is a numbers game. And the more followers or backers that I get on Kickstarter, frankly, the more money it brings in, then I can start to pay myself for the time that I spend writing and drawing these stories, which, again, I wasn't asking for that as the first goal. But the more of that can happen, again, the less other commercial jobs I have to take on to fund doing Tracker and uh, getting to the point where Tracker becomes more close to being sort of self-supporting, that makes my life a whole lot easier. And oh, let the, again, let the books come out quicker and better than ever. I, I In the middle of the campaign, I came up with this hashtag, uh, more Trekker more often. It's sort of like, because, <laughs> because really that, you know, that's been my uh, objective since I basically since that first grade of the series. <laughs> now your first stretch goal, the Volstock payoff, mm-hmm. was that the story that began in Dark Horse Presents and then unfortunately the book folded, they had to stop it and you could not finish the story? Yeah, that's right. Almost right. Um, the story was finished. It's a 24-page story, so it was you know, to be serialized in three eight-page chapters in Dark Horse Presents. Uh, had the story all done and turned into Dark Horse, and they loaded up the first part and put it out in an issue of Dark Horse Presents. It turned out that was the last issue of the title. The way I refer to it, it, it sort of became an orphaned project at that time, an orphaned Trekker story. The, the original plan was it would be serialized in Dark Horse Presents, and then it included in print in the next Trekker book that Dark Horse had put out. Well, so here I had a case where the story had started to be published in Dark Horse, and meanwhile I was making the decision that for the next volume, uh, for the reason we've already talked about, I was going to try Kickstarter. And then there's this little Volstagg payoff story wandering around there without a home. And it occurred to me that it would be a dream stretch goal, in a way, for me to be able to have Volstagg in this volume, because, well, quite honestly, I think it's a really good story. <laughs> it's a story that plays not necessarily an essential part, but it's a very great bridge story between the Rites of Passage and the events in Chapeltown. But it was it was Dark Horses. I mean, obviously I own Trekker and all that stuff, but it was a story that didn't start at Dark Horse and they would have been within their rights to say, well, we're going to hold this in abeyance or whatever until we can find a way to get back into print or whatever. I wrote to them and one of the wonderful things about Dark Horse, as far as my long history with them has been, is they're tremendously gracious and supportive of creators. And I was gratified, although not particularly surprised that when I said to them, if this Kickstarter works, would you mind if I um, published the Volstock payoff in here? Sort of having a shared printing rights for this story or something. And they, they didn't bat an eye. They immediately said that would be fine with them. We hit that first goal, boom. So that means I get to put this story in the book and uh, it's just going to make the trade paperwork that much richer. It has that 24-page story. Some of those were pages that I was, of the 96 pages that you mentioned were going to be some extra content pages so i won't have that section of the book unless we get to another stretch goal (laughs) that's my little carrot to dangle in front of everyone (laughs) (laughs) well the next one up is the spot varnish cover if you reach 25k it's a very attractive little extra feature to have on the book also on a psychological or emotional level it also attracted me because basically i want all these trekker volumes to have a very consistent format to them so the the dark horse books and then the, the ones that i'll be putting out myself the kickstarter i want them to all read fairly uniform so that you can pick up one and you go through it and you put it down you pick up the next one you you know you're still reading the same series there aren't these radical changes in format or size or the, the reading experience, I want that to be very consistent. That's been really important to me, uh, just as a storyteller. Anything that distracts or pulls you out of that is just, um, it's detracting from the experience you have reading the book. 
at the same time, just that little subtle um, difference that using a spot varnish on this cover, there was just a, a little signal that the series is shifting into a new phase now, both in the way it's going to be published, where it's going to get out, by using the Kickstarter, and also, frankly, with, within the arc of, of the main character, Marisha St. Clair, her life arc. This story is <laughs> no BS. It's a pivotal story. She is forced to confront things and make choices here and have revelations that are going to change the series, change the arc of the series and change you know, the, the course of her life in ways that I believe are going to make it richer and deeper and hopefully more meaningful and resonant to the readers. I know it will to me personally. So having this book come out with that little additional accent to the cover presentation, it just made a lot of good emotional sense to me. So I'm obviously really hopeful that we'll get there. Now, some folks who do a Kickstarter, at some point they hope to be able to offer the book through Diamond and through bookstores. Mm -hmm. To get the book out, you're going through Kickstarter to get it out more frequently, more consistently. Do you think that there's a chance that you could someday offer it or have it offered through Diamond or bookstores? Is that a possible goal down the road? It would be an absolute goal for me. The realities and the logistics of how to do that are stuff I haven't begun to explore yet. I mean, I really, when I launched this Kickstarter, my attitude is basically, you know, I want to keep it simple and basic and I'll cross all those other bridges when I get to them. That was my initial mindset on doing this Kickstarter because I just, I could focus well and build as good a campaign as possible and have absolutely no clue as to what the results are going to be, as I said before. I want Tucker to be available to everybody. I really believe in my book. I think it's a good story with a wonderful character. It's in a world or a setup that I just love. I just love so many things about science fiction and vivid characters that feel to me very, I make them as real and believable as possible. And, and I want the stories to say something about them, about who they are as people and stuff. And I want them to be good, rip-roaring, entertaining action adventure tales. I think that story can work for a lot of people that haven't yet found Trekkers. And the best way that I know to do that from the traditional, you know, publishing of comics world that I come from is, is having it on the shelves in stores so that retailers can see it. And then when somebody comes into the store, they could say, oh, if you like X, you might want to try Trekker. I love comic shops. I love comics and <laughs> I love comic readers. And uh, Kickstarter is great for the, uh, the things we've talked about, a way to empower me and working directly with the readers to get the book out. But I don't want the book to be something where it's just me and my little group of Kickstarter supporters that keep the book to ourselves, like our little, <laughs> our little secret. I don't want it to be a secret. And I don't want it to, um, to disappear. On the Kickstarter, I have a retailer reward level so that if retailers want to pick up a Google Books, they get a discount on it, similar to what they get if they rewarding books through diamonds. I know most comic retailers, they got so much stuff to do. I'm sure they're, so all they can do is try to keep track of what's coming out from diamonds. I want to work with them. I'm not going to change, any, change anything substantially, but that's where my head and my heart are at. I want to explore that option as much as possible to get the book out uh, as widely as possible. Well, I'm very excited about it because as we talked about in our last interview, the books had that consistency. You know, I read them basically all in one shot as trades. And I'm really excited about it being as, again, one original graphic novel. I was talking to a friend of mine today. I loaned him some of my comics, and he hadn't read comics in eons. And I loaned him the trades of individual comics that were collected together. And he's like, so when do these come out? I said, well, they come out monthly. What? I said, yeah, 30 days in between each book if everything goes well. He goes, oh, no. I said, yeah, it's that's what we have to wait as fans. So uh, I love my monthly comic books. I like the experience of reading a continuing story month after month. I love web comics. I read all kinds of formats, but the OGN is to me the best. I get the most satisfaction out of that. 
and I'm sure the rest of the readers will too. So I'm really looking forward to it. And how can people find your Kickstarter and how can they follow you to get updates about the Kickstarter? Finding the Kickstarter is very easy. You can just go to trekkerkickstarter.com. I made it as simple a URL as I possibly could. Got the video there you can look at. I try to block out all the all the reward levels and what you're going to get. Describe the story of Chapeltown itself. Uh, so it's pretty easy to see what that's going to be. And you can look it over pretty quickly and make your decision. Following me, I host all the Trekker stories, as we were saying before, and it has a webcomic. It updates every Monday, and that is simply trekkercomic.com. We'll take you to that comic website. I'm on Twitter uh, at Ron underscore Randall. Facebook account you can track down. I also have a Ron Randall's Trekker Facebook page. Uh, I do my best to be as approachable <laughs> and findable as possible. And folks, if you're driving or working out, don't take your hands off the wheel. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll put all this in the show notes. I always put all this information in my show notes. So if you don't have time at the moment, you don't have time to Google, it's just all going to be laid out there for you so you can find it that way. Ron, is there anything else? I I hate to even ask this, but is there anything else cooking? I know you don't have any time at this moment, but is there anything else in the works? <laughs> there is. I've got a couple of, of other things uh, bubbling, but and I don't mean to be coy about it, but I just don't think I'm at liberty to talk about them yet. One of them is going to be a miniseries that's going to be really fun, and I'm going to be doing that through Dark Horse. So if there was any question about, gee, why is Ron doing Trek or Dark Horse? Is something going on there? No, I'm still working <laughs> for Dark Horse. Uh, right now, in fact, but it's on a project that hasn't been announced yet. I just don't think I should uh, be the first one to toot the horn about it. Uh, I'm doing that and um, wrapped up some work on Future Quest uh, at DC. Uh, I don't have anything else in the tray right now for them, but uh, it seems like uh, something pops up from from them, you know, on a fairly regular basis. So I wouldn't be surprised. Plenty to keep my hands full with work. That's for sure. Great. I'll look for the news when it breaks about your next work with Dark Horse, and I hope at some point you're tapped again for future quests, because I enjoyed that very much. I Once I saw your name, I'm like, oh, I'm picking that one up. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. It was a lot of fun to work on a book like that, I'll tell you. I don't want to keep you too long, because I know you're super busy. I just have some fun questions I ask all my guests, and last time we were together, right. they weren't invented yet. <laughs> so here they are. Just, just have fun with these. What do you like to do for rest and relaxation when you're not working so hard? Two things, I guess. One is, uh, I, I mentioned how I always feel 10% more alive or awake when I'm at the coast. And uh, I, I'm blessed to live in Oregon. I'm in Portland, and we're about an hour and a half away from the coast. So spending time there, going there for a day, for a weekend. Uh, sometimes my wife and I are able to get away for a longer break. In fact, we have one of those scheduled. We reserve the place <laughs> on the coast for four nights uh, shortly after the Kickstarter is done. Uh, set that long before this thing started, because I said, I'm probably going to be needing a break. <laughs> so that's one thing I like to do. Uh, just go to the beach, walk on the beach, hang out with my wife. Again, just listen to the ocean waves. <laughs> it's better than a therapy session, I think. And the other thing is I love playing music. I have some friends that uh, we get together and play some music. And uh, it's also creative. It's also, to me, about telling a story, but it's using a whole different set of muscles. And I find that uh, incredibly uh, fulfilling and rewarding to do. I'm not a great musician, but uh, I can bang my way through just well enough that if I'm playing with good people, it, it kind of sounds like music, and it's a, it's a real thrill. Oh, that's great. Those are both great things. And here's a hypothetical scenario. If you were stuck on a deserted island, and you can only have one book with you, either something you want to read and can't get around to, or something you like to read often, what would that one book be? 
Wow, it's a heck of a question. Uh, I guess I just go on the first thing that popped in my head, which often is the best way for me to do things. Um, it's the book Lonesome Dove. Uh, it became a TV series a decade or so ago that was pretty prominent. But I first heard about it, listened to a review on the radio of this book, and they were talking about this book. They just won the Pulitzer Prize and uh, the best novel that this particular reviewer had read in like 20 years. And I thought, hmm. And I jotted down the name, Lonesome Dove, and the the author, Larry McMurtry, and I said, the next time I'm in a bookstore, I'll have to just uh, look it up on the shelves. So I, the next time I was in the bookstore, I pulled it off the shelves, and I saw the cover, and it was a Western. And I said, Western? <laughs> I don't read Westerns. I like watching Western movies, but when I read a novel, it's like, you know, it's like a novel, but then, it's, you know, I mean, it's like a serious work of literature, <laughs> not a Western. But, uh, but the darn thing had won the Pulitzer Prize, and I... I opened it up and I read the first sentence, which is often, as far as I'm concerned, an excellent way to judge a novel, not by the cover, <laughs> but by the first sentence. In the first sentence, the author wrote a vivid first sentence, showed a command of the language, and just enough details that I knew he knew how to tell a story. And I bought the book, and what an amazing story it is. In some ways, like Trekker, it, it works on that level of being a great rip-roaring tale. It's about a, this big cattle drive that these guys go on from Texas all the rest of the Canadian border, practically, and full of vivid characters. And it said a lot about life, about what it means to be a human being, about courage, about cowardice, about integrity, about compromise, morals. It sticks with me all the time. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. And I, I can dip into that any time and uh, feel transported to another place and at the same time make all these connections to my own soul at the same time. So a great read. My next question is, what is your beverage of choice when you are resting and relaxing? Oh, boy. Uh, Guinness. <laughs> That's a good choice. I like a good pint of Guinness. <laughs> and last question. If they decided to make an action figure of you, what would be your accessory? <laughs> oh, an action figure of me. Uh, I'm just going to go with a straight old six-string guitar, acoustic guitar. I'll go with that one, yeah. It was going to either be that or a... Uh, the stylist that I used to draw comics with now, but I've been draw I've been using that a lot lately, so I feel more like holding a guitar in my hands right now. A guitar feels better to hold. I mean, that's that's a great feeling. <laughs> well, Ron, I wish you the best of luck with the Kickstarter. We know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of are we going to hit those stretch goals also? And, and I hope for the continued success because I just want to keep seeing more stories of Mercy St. Clair on a regular basis, and I think that's in print, and I think that's uh, a wonderful way to do it. Thanks. I, you and I are on exactly the same page there. <laughs> Ron, thanks so much for being on Creator Talks this week. Chris, thank you very much for having me. It's been a great time. And here's an update on Ron's Kickstarter. As of today, there are about nine days left to go in the Kickstarter. And by the time you hear this podcast, he's probably already reached his second goal for the Spot Varnish cover. So please check it out. Do what you can. And hey, it's a great book. It's a great story. I've enjoyed it. I've read all the volumes. It could be a while before we see it distributed other ways. So if you want to continue to read those Adventures of Mercy St. Clair, or you want to start now, it's a great jumping on point. I can't say enough nice things about Ron. He's a wonderful guy, and he is someone that will just talk to you at a con. Very friendly and just wonderful. So he deserves your support. So please do what you can. Coming up this Thursday, the 100th episode of Creator Talks. My guest is a returning guest from a previous episode, Peter Milligan. Peter will be joining me to talk about three projects that he's been working on. Kid Lobotomy through IDW's Black Crown imprint, Marvel Comics Legion miniseries, and coming up, my favorite of all, The Prisoner, which will be published through Titan Comics. I look forward to sharing that conversation with all of you this Thursday. 
Thank you for joining me for Creator Talks this week. The show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and also on Amazon Echo and Dot Devices. Just say, Alexa, play podcast Creator Talks to hear the latest episode. In addition, you can listen to the show and follow it through Podbean. Your feedback is greatly appreciated, so please rate and review on iTunes if you like the show or an episode that you heard. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to helping the show, and I can't thank you enough for taking a bit of time to do that. For your convenience, in the show notes of each podcast, I have a link to my iTunes page where you can rate and review the show and see the entire list of shows available. If you haven't heard them all, take a look through. There are living legends and -and up-and-coming comic creators. Tell family and friends who like comics and comic book creators about the show. And to subscribe. The content is free. Just as valued are your comments and feedback. You can reach me through Facebook and Twitter at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. You can also reach out to me by email. You can find that at my website, creatortalks.com. At the website, you will also find blog posts, reviews of books that I have read that you might want to read too, my catalog of podcasts, and videos and other written articles on the website, creatortalks.com. A hearty thank you to all my guests. It is an honor and a privilege for you to make time to be on the show and talk to me about your work. It is your knowledge and insight into the creative process that makes the show so unique. My thanks also goes out to my family who makes this show possible, especially my executive co-producer, Mrs. Calloway. I'll be back each and every Thursday with a new interview. For Creator Talks, I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Until next time.